0: Hey guys, my guest today, Mark, Ollie and I will be talking about Europe's Roswell. Be right back. Grab your popcorn and snacks. Well, hello everybody. How's everybody doing? I hope you're having a great afternoon. Sorry for the delay in the show. I was uh, pre-recording a show earlier today, and my internet was acting up. I don't know if it was my internet or the internet of, of, of the person I was recording, but there were all kinds of weird issues going on. And uh, all of a sudden, as uh, lo and behold, as I started to get this show going and you know get everything you know uploaded, the uploaded, get, get everything prepped. In fact, there's a mic on that shouldn't be on. Hang on one second. Let me look at this too. It's the kind of day we've had. Just want to make sure we're on the right speakers. Want to make sure we got the right speakers going on here, so let me double-check. Showing me the desktop. Okay. Anyway, um, just as we started, I started to get things powered up with this show, the Internet went down, and there was no reason for it to go down. It just totally went down. So I know you guys have done this before. I had to go running in there and uh, – unplug my modem and do all that stuff to get the internet back up. So I don't know what the heck was went really wrong. But uh, yeah, there were audio problems earlier today. Anyway, my name is Charlotte, and hopefully I'll be your host for the next hour. If, if nothing crashes, it's been like a Murphy's Law day, starting at 10 o'clock today. But I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited for my guest. We've had him on before. Mark Golley has has a lot of knowledge, and it's really fun to talk with him. So I'm looking forward to this, to talk about Europe's Roswell. Uh, If you're watching from Facebook, and a lot of you are, you like what you see, please be sure to hit that follow button. Uh, We're we're always looking for followers and to gain momentum. I want to thank the RSS feed, which is iHeartRadio and all those places out there, Apple. We are at 12,000 downloads for the month. I'm really stoked. I can't believe it, you guys. Fantastic. And that's what will happen. Share, share, share. People start hearing more and more about the show. Uh, Again, if you're watching from Facebook and you haven't done so already, please hit that follow button. Always, like I said, we're always looking for followers. And uh, show us some love, you know. If you you like what you hear today, show show me some happy faces. Show me some hearts. I wish I I gotta figure out how to do this thing that everybody's doing. That's what happens when you get old. You can't do that stuff. You know, just show me some love. And also comment in the chat room because what happens is is that puts us up higher. in Facebook's FYP, which means that Facebook distributes the show out to more people. Same thing with YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, please feel free to do so. It's free. And um. Again, that uh, you know, show happy happy faces, hearts, and all that stuff, and comment in the chat room because that puts us up in YouTube's as FYP as well, and puts us out to more people. All right, and if you need to find our team because you know we do, we are we are a uh, paranormal investigation team, and if you need help from our team, go ahead and Google us, and you'll find us. You, know, you can either look us up at our California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team or California Haunts Radio, and we'll pop right up right on up on Google. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to bring in Mark Ollie, so we get the show on the road. You know, I have an interest in Roswell. I always have had an interest in Roswell, and I, I, I've i read his book on Europe's Roswell. It's a fascinating book, and I think you guys are going to enjoy hearing about it because uh, who'd have figured, you know, then who'd have figured this stuff? Well, we know what's going on all over the world, but who'd have figured, you know, that over in the UK, you know, something like this would happen as well. So I think Mark can give you more details about all that. So I'm going to go ahead and bring him on so we can get the show because we started late anyway, so let me get the show on the road.
1: Hi. How you hey. doing? Not too bad. Hopefully, you can hear me coming through loud yes. and clear. Can you hear me? Yes. Excellent. Boy, okay. well, I had all kinds of things. I did a pre recorded
0: interview this afternoon at 10 o'clock today, and they couldn't hear me on their end. And then I did it over the phone, and then the, the sound was surging up and down the whole time and echoes. And then, I, then, once we got done, and I started, like I said, when I started into this show, then my internet went down. So it might have been something on my internet. I don't know what the heck happened. But thank you for being so patient.
1: It's all right. No worries at all. I'm all set and ready to go. (laughs) All right. For folks that don't know about you, tell them about you. Gosh, okay. Uh, Writer. I write books. There's nine books out on Amazon. You can go and find them at the moment. Uh, Presenter. Presented uh, for ITV and for Sky and uh, last year appeared on Ancient Aliens. Uh, Archaeologist. That's what I do for a day job. Uh, I go digging stuff up, which is how... I, in a roundabout way, got involved with a crashed or debris from a crashed UFO. Um, because I mean, who's going to mess up the opportunity to go and dig something like that up? Well, I'm certainly not. Um, so that's really how that story started. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm all over the place at the moment. <laughs> oh uh, dear, a legend in my own lunchtime. There you go. <laughs>
0: we still have to talk about we still have to talk about King Arthur too at some point, you and I.
1: Oh yes yeah, yeah, I mean, right, right, yeah. I've had I've had three books in the last 18 months and one called Crystal Schools and Human Heads, which looks mm-hmm. at archaeo science, but also deals with this problem of the enormous heads that, that we keep finding. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I've had the King Arthur one, Polychronicon of Merlin, Joseph and Arthur, uh, which is doing okay, but it could do better. You know, I mean, it took 45 years to write, so um, you know, it's the truth about Arthur. And I only live up the road from where he did anyway. So, That's you know. awesome. Well, you know
0: what? We'll have to get you back on and help you a little bit. With book. Yeah, I I that yeah, book. definitely.
1: Well, tonight's Europe's Roswell. That's the third. Right, one, right on Roswell so, tonight.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about this this European Roswell because you know I, I had no idea that this, that this happened in the UK. I mean, this is all new news to me. You know, and, and I've read I've read halfway through your book. It's so fascinating. Tell, to tell us how all well this came about, and how did you get involved in it, and all that stuff.
1: Okay, well, the story's quite straightforward. Um, I, somewhere at the beginning of the 2000s, around 2003, 2004, I was at a UFO conference, famous one that's in the north of England. It's not going any anymore in the same form, but it used to be called Probe. Uh, It ran for about 30 years and, um, of course, all the speakers get together afterwards. So we all piled in the local curry house and uh, there's this guy in a suit, really posh, you know, and there's me dressed sort of all hippie with hair everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we just kind of hit it off. Very unlikely kind of friendship developed and... uh, and he's like, hmm, you're an archaeologist, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, that's what I do. He said, well, there's a case. When we get get away from eating this Indian, um, there's a case I want to, you know, away from the conference, talk to you about. So I didn't think anything of it, kind of left it. I think it was probably the next year, about 2005, he, uh, he phones me up and he describes this crash that left debris behind. And he said, uh, do you fancy coming and seeing if there's anything there to dig up? Uh, well, the more we investigated the less it appeared that there'd be anything there that we could actually dig up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the parallels to Roswell start straight away because that happened in a desert environment. Mm -hmm. So it crashed on a very harsh terrain um, and didn't really embed anything into the ground. So we've got the same situation here because it happened in Wales, uh, just outside a little village called Clonilla, which is near Aberystwyth in mid Wales. And that's limestone with a sort of thin coating of soil. So that there's no chance anything could bed in. Um, but then he carried on talking about the story. Do you want me to carry on? Do you want me to tell you the Absolutely. story you told me? Okay. Absolutely. Okay, well, he, he carried on with this story. and He said, um, somewhere around about the beginning of... of um, 19, uh, 1983, he received a newspaper clipping because back then we didn't have internet like we've got now. You you know, you couldn't get things posted to you by email and that. He got newspaper clippings sent to him that, um, that the local guys thought was relevant to what he did. And he ran the local UFO group. So he gets this newspaper clipping and it says, strange debris out of the sky. And he starts to read it. And basically the gist of it is, this craft of some kind silently hit trees in the middle of the night, round about the sort of 3rd, 4th, 5th of January, 1983, mm-hmm. and scattered debris over four of these fairly large farmers' fields. And the mystery, the mysterious part of it in this case, is it flew off, it disappeared. So having shed tons of debris all over the place, there was no mm-hmm. engines, no f- sort of flying craft, no pilots, no controls, nothing. Just this weird metallic, Shell all over the place, and the newspaper article went on to say, Well, the the farmer was called Irwell and he came out in the morning to tend his sheep and he found these four fields covered in debris. So he phones the local police and he says, Um, I think I've had a plane crash. And they're like, Oh, well, we don't know anything about this, uh, leave it with us, we'll speak to the local air force base, which they did. Mm -hmm. About two or three hours later, he gets all these vehicles turning up, and it's a crash recovery team and it's police air force and somebody else dressed in black suits so let's call them the men in black and what's happening is they start to clear all of these fields so obviously police you know guys in uniforms and then you've got you, you RAF and the guys in uniforms for them and then these guys in the suits are ordering them all around so they're clearly in charge and they clear these four fields now Gary Because he lives in the same area, and this is only a couple of weeks later that he gets the newspaper Mm -hmm. clipping, he phones Erwell up. He tracks him down and phones him up. And he says, Is there any chance we can come down and investigate the site? And Erwell's like, Well, you can do, but you know, when I got up the following morning, it was all gone. So I doubt you're going to find anything. So, um, Anyway, Gary decides he's going to turn up. So he takes a small team from his UFO group um, and he goes down there. Sure enough, the fields are clear. It's absolutely nothing. But then he spots this great, huge cutting through the trees where this thing had come down, smacked into the trees and then blown all this debris in the direction it was going all over the field. So he says, right. He says, if they did some of this clear up operation through the night, there's no way they're going to get all the debris out of the woods. So off he goes, trundles off to the woods, and sure enough, they get about half a dozen pieces of this strange metallic material, sheets Mm -hmm. and bits of metal like shattered like eggshell, um, and then some two pieces of foil, this strange honeycomb foil. Um, So then he says to Earl, he says, "Um, can we come back with the metal detectors and have another go? And Earl's like, yeah, you can have another go. So they go back again, don't find anything at all this time. And he says, oh, we'll come back a third time, see what we can get. Anyway, before he has a chance to go back again, Irwell phones him up and says, you're not going to believe this. They're removing the forest. They've turned up with like all this Forestry, forestry Commission stuff, and they're cutting all the trees down and clearing it. Wow. So Gary's like, they're removing a forest? So he phones up the local Forestry Commission, and they say, ah, oh, it's wind damage. It's wind damage, don't you know? So Gary says, well do you normally remove a woods for wind damage and the guy on the other end you could tell was being a bit sarcastic he says no but in this particular case we are (laughs) so already straight away you can already see the parallels to roswell new mexico because you've got something crashed and nobody saw it it -hmm. hit uh, a sort of wilderness environment only one farmer found it you know, who may have kept some debris. Matt Brazzle might have kept some back. That's the story. And of course, Gary did the same, turned up and managed to keep some of the debris back. There's a massive military cleanup operation. Everything disappears. And then, of course, at Roswell, there was the newspaper article in the Roswell Daily Record on the day of the crash and then the one the next day. And that's it. Well, on this particular one, we got the strange debris out of the sky article. And again, that was it. Nobody mm-hmm. else runs the, uh, run, runs the, the story. Um, you know, it doesn't appear in any of the local newspapers. Mm-hmm. So that's a bit of a mystery. So we've got already straight away. We've got parallels running and the cleanup operation, basically they're, they're running the same playbook. You know, there's gotta be a little green book on a shelf somewhere, you know, in, mm-hmm. in an air force office that says this is what to do in the mm-hmm. event of an unidentified flying object crashing. Cause they did exactly the same thing on both mm-hmm. sites. Um, of course the difference being roswell's 1947 and this one's 1983 right um so that is that is the basic the very basic background story to to the crash itself Mm.
0: well they had all those guys out there so what happened to this debris
1: um well it it sort of gets interesting it goes off in two directions at this point um Mm -hmm. one day gary gets this knock on his door And as he goes to answer the door, he can see through the glass on the door, two black figures. So he opens the door and sure enough, it's two men in black suits, incomprehensible passes, ties, dark glasses, hats. Anyway, Gary glances up the close that he lives in. He can see two black SUVs, all the windows blacked out, no number plates. So, and and these guys basically say to Gary, say, look, you know, we understand you've got some of our material. Uh, Can we have it back? And Gary just looks at them and he just goes, no and they just they just befuddled they're absolutely baffled at that and gary goes on to say because i've broken one of the pieces up into key rings hundreds of little key rings and i've handed them all out to people i know who've all got connections to the media and if you come sniffing round here again trying to get this stuff back i'm going to tell them all to release the material They can give it out and release it to material and that's that. So obviously these guys at that point are beaten. There's absolutely no way that they can get, you know, all of this back. So Mm -hmm. they just toodle off, get in the cars and drive out of the close. But that raises a couple of interesting questions. One was how did they know to remove Mm -hmm. the woods? They must've been watching the site to know that someone had recovered something Mm -hmm. and how did they know where Gary lived? You see what I mean? So clearly it's, you know, dark forces at work or whatever you want to call it. Um, And the second direction that goes off in um, is if you've got pieces of this stuff, you're going to want to know what it is. Well, Gary's interesting because he's got friends in uh, the aerospace industry so he, mm-hmm. he ran this material past a couple of ladies that restore planes they'd never seen anything like it um he ran it past a couple of guys that then worked on the design and build of, of uh, military aircraft and stuff they mm-hmm. at that time had never seen anything like this so eventually he gets all the way up to a friend of his that works for british aerospace so let's call that analysis number one so analysis number one somewhere in the 1980s british mm-hmm. aerospace gets some of this debris Now, at that point, it's going to cost thousands of pounds to do a proper full analysis. So his mate kind of, you know, undercover runs this analysis as far as he can run it. And he comes back and he says, look, I can't tell you what this stuff is. We don't know what it is. Uh, It's some kind of alloy of duralumin. It's an aluminium alloy. We've never seen anything quite like this before. But if you can find out how it's made, you find out where it comes from, please let us know because we'd Mm -hmm. like to make the stuff ourselves. So he gets the report back. It's about 12 pages. That's the gist of what this this report says. Okay, fast forward because, of course, I've got a book out. Now, if you're Mm going to put a book out, um, you can see the thinking, okay, what about doing another run of tests? Fabulous. Fabulous. You've got the cover. Um, So what we decided to do, um, I got to the point where I'd finished the book. I'd finished the book in January. I'd written Mm -hmm. it all up and it was all ready to go. Good old Philip Mantle at Flying Disc Press. Hats off to Philip. He says, Mm -hmm. "Do do you think Gary would let us have some of this debris? Well, Gary's over the years been very, very protective of the material he's got you know doesn't give it mm-hmm. to anyone doesn't let it go anywhere if he ever takes it out it's in a locked you know uh, case chained to his wrist so it can't be removed um mm-hmm. he's very protective so I, I i i said to philip i said well i doubt it you know i don't think he'll you know do it so philip you know 10 sends off you know an email to him doesn't even get a reply to the email a couple of days later he gets three pieces of material in a jiffy bag in the post well hey we've got it you know we can do this so philip sends one piece off to australia and doesn't tell them you know anything and then sends another piece off to america so it's it's a double blind test we'll see what this stuff is right now up to this point just to give you some background everybody Mm -hmm. has always assumed that all the material is exactly the same it, mm-hmm. it, visually, the only difference is one piece of metal has a layer of paint on the outside, whereas the other has these weird-looking rubber hexagons on it. Um, so apart from that, we just assume it's all made of the same thing. Then we get the analysis back from Australia, and they basically say, okay, it's not duralumin, because duralumin is a trade name for about 200 different kinds of aluminium that have been around since the build, the building of airships you know, in the First World War. It's been around for ages. Uh, it's not duralumin it's not that that's just a Uh trade name it's like you know coca-cola or mcdonald's or whatever it's just a trade name for that Uh and and that's not what it is they say what it is is it's aluminium foam now none of us have heard of aluminium foam because what it is is they mix aluminium with a reactive substance that causes it to foam up and then it goes hard at room temperature and you're left with this metal that is incredibly strong but weighs virtually nothing so that's what it is. And on one side, it's got green paint that's not aerodynamic. And on the other side, they reckoned it had a particular type of American glue. So that basically meant that this, whatever it is, is one of ours. That's what they were saying. This, this is one of ours. Okay, so then the second analysis comes back, the one from America. There's, there's no American glue. They don't mention anything to do with this glue. They say, you open the first page and it basically says, Unknown. Composition, substance, chemistry, unknown. We can't tell you what this is really, uh, but what we can tell you is, I think, I think it's ninety four point six percent lanthium or lanthanum. So straight away, you're looking at something that's completely different. Okay, it's based on one of the new rare earth metals uh, that's in the extra bit on the bottom of the periodic table. So it, it's we're already into exotic stuff. So at this point, we dash off, we do loads of research, and we go through their report. Basically, it's everywhere. It's it's as common as muck. Literally, it's everywhere. It's just like quartz or, you know, limestone or whatever. But it's incredibly difficult to extract this stuff from the environment. I think it's like number 27 in the most common thing found on earth but it's also in the upper atmosphere it's in meteorites it's in comets it's out on other planets you know it's it's everywhere so the problem is not finding it the problem is getting it actually getting it out of the ground um and it it is exotic and it's really strange and nobody's ever seen it now a lot of people have come forward since we've published the results and people have said well you know the structure looks a bit like you know stealth aircraft or bombers or, you know, jet fighters or, or whatever. Nobody, nobody has mentioned the word Lanthium or lanthanum. Mm-hmm. Nobody mentions it because it would cost millions of dollars to extract. And the real problem there would mean that that isn't one of ours. It's mm-hmm. one of theirs. It's alien technology. Now, there's a third option. You've got to bear in mind there is a third option. That whatever it was that came down at roswell it that was probably undoubtedly alien but mm-hmm. what happens if we back engineered it what happens if you know we we kind of turn turn it back and started using it ourselves well in that case there wouldn't be a problem if there was a commonality between you know what we're using and what this stuff is mm-hmm. so it could be hybrid so it's either one of ours or it's one of theirs or it's somewhere in the middle but and this is the punchline. this is the real punchline what on earth was that doing flying around in the skies in 1983 wow it it did not exist that's 40 years ago you know this material is is so exotic and so alien that it it should not have existed and and if you think logically about you know if you put a if you put an aircraft up into flight It takes a few years to arrive at that, you know, so they were developing this. If it's one of ours, they'd have been developing it in the 1970s, which is incredible. You know, it's it's completely unheard of. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of the position we're in now. We've got this strange, you know, material. It does have peculiar qualities as well. There's a brilliant photo and it looks like there's something wrong with the photograph and it's, it's in the book. Oh, I must say, by the way, the book is show and tell. It's not just all full of like written material. Everything I'm right. describing, all the contents, the material, everything is shown big, you know, in good, good quality, you know, sharp photographs in the book. So you can actually go and have a look at all this. But the photo I'm going to mention um, is in one of the reports, and it's a photo of this lanthanum. And they tried to photograph it with uh, one of these electron microscopes so they could get a decent magnification of it. And blow me if it didn't push back. The metal uh-huh. is actually active. It actively broke up their attempt to photograph it. So the metal itself is, is sort of, in a wavelength way, it's sort of alive. When you try and photograph it, it disrupts whatever you throw at it and you can't get a good photo. So if you actually have a look at the test, you'll see that this thing's breaking up. The lines running across it is is where the photograph's just breaking up. So the guys in America were completely befuddled. They had absolutely no idea, not the foggiest idea, what this was. So you're into the same territory now as 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 Roswell. You know, it just is. It's the same exact thing. You know, uh, down to the down to the material itself. The other thing you've got to remember as well, and this I found this amazing. Given how much it costs to get Lanthium out of the ground,
0: what?
1: it covered four fields. Some of these sheets of metal were two metres square, six foot square pieces of this stuff. I mean, I can understand if they wanted to get it back because of how expensive it was, but that's more lanthium, pure lanthium, than was known to exist on the entire planet. Wow. It's it's bonkers, you know. Uh, Welsh fields are not small. I mean, they're not as big as a desert, desert, but they're not small. You know, you're talking about a lot of area that was covered by this debris. Incredible. And the craft that hit the trees, you could see that it cut a a swathe out of about 20, 25 foot. So in a way, that's too big for a a drone. But Mm -hmm. again, it's a little bit too small for some of the aircraft, you know. So it's odd. It's just very, very odd. Mm. That is odd.
0: Um, You know, when you think about that, and and, and obviously, uh, well, excuse me,
1: obviously no bodies (laughs) were found. Well, no, whatever the uh, the actual thing itself was, it kind of lost its shell and okay. left. Um, I mean, I can speculate a bit about that because over the years, when we've looked at this, uh, all the all the pieces are slightly bent. They're mm-hmm. all con- concave or convex. I think they're concave, and it's almost like the vehicle, whatever it was, this this craft, was pressurized and it was designed to either travel at high speed. Mm-hmm. In high pressure or strange gravity conditions, or possibly even interdimensionally, if you push it that far. So when it slowed down, because it had to slow down in order to hit these trees, these trees have battered the living daylights out of this thing and smashed it like eggshell. Because it's not designed to do that. You know, it's not designed to take those kind of impacts. Maybe it even has its own force field. You know, so that when it's moving, it's actually not in contact with anything. So, as soon as these trees hit it, they've, they've really knocked the stuffing out of it and taken all of the underside of this thing off because that's not what it was designed to do, you know. Uh-huh, um,
0: uh-huh.
1: And that having been said, it's pretty hard to break the metal. I mean, Gary noticed that it pushed back when he tried to saw it. If you hit it with a hammer or you try and cut it with a saw, it's, it's almost uh-huh. impossible. You have to get a pair of pliers and kind of wiggle the edge of it. So if you treat it like eggshell and just snap a bit off, then Mm -hmm. you can get tiny pieces off it. But it pushes back. You know, it's got this property where it pushes back. Very, very strange stuff indeed. Very strange.
0: Um, How hard was it to get this information?
1: Um, Initially, back in the 1980s, um, nobody knew anything at all, Mm -hmm. literally. And British Aerospace over here are the military manufacturers, they developed these things, you know, uh, cutting edge. They weren't aware of it. Um, Mm. And to the best of my knowledge, back in the 1980s, I don't think anybody else was flying anything like this, not even remotely like this. Even the people we've spoken to, you know, that are involved in military history. Yes, there was a certain amount of technology in development, but nothing on this level, um, you know. And then when you come to now, the information, some of it, so like the bits to do with duralumin, the bits to do with aluminium foam and the bits to do with lanthium, you can get a basic background understanding of that now from Wikipedia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: However, doing what these people were doing with it is nowhere. That's that's the kicker, if you like. That's the the big, you know, mystery. You can mm-hmm. identify bits of it, although we still don't know what the paint is. We still don't know what the hexagons are made of and we still don't know what the resin Bonding agent is, and the aluminium foam that we're assuming, sort of the aluminium uh, honeycomb that we're assuming is aluminium, that's never mm-hmm. been tested. So we're not sure about that. So m- the vast majority of it, 70, 80% of it is still unknown. It's just the two types of metal, the actual mm-hmm. metal that's known. Uh, aluminium foam did not exist as far as anybody knows in 1983, but mm-hmm. it does now. So, you know, there's a certain amount of known about that. And the lanthium, the lanthanum, is a total mystery, you know. Um, weird, very, very strange substance. Well, indeed.
0: When you think about aircraft and the way they're built, I mean, when you talk about that phone, that, that, you know, criss-cross, you know, the way the phone mm. was designed, that's kind of like how, how we, how we build our, our, our aircraft.
1: Structurally, yeah. you're actually, you're actually correct. You would build it in those layers. Mm-hmm. So there's a big argument there that whatever it was is one of ours. Mm -hmm. But (coughs) excuse me, but the date of the technology, the level to which it's been developed and the presence of what I would call an exotic alien metal Mm -hmm. makes me lean more towards saying it's not one of ours. It's Mm -hmm. built like ours, but it's not one of ours. Mm -hmm. I think it's crossover. I think it's back engineered. Um, That's where I've landed with it. Who knows what's come flying, you know, from other dimensions and dropped out the sky and, you know, we've got hold right. of. I mean, yeah, rumour has it that pretty much every country that's civilised now has a, a, a flying saucer hidden somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's widely known. That's kind of whatever common knowledge. So I think that what I've got or we've got in terms of these pieces of metal, I think mm-hmm. it's back engineered. Mm-hmm. So there are elements of it that are clearly, you know, coming off things that we've built. Well, mm-hmm. the, the question is where did we get that design from how did right. we come that's up with that that's
0: what i was thinking yeah 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 i mean
1: thinking. there's that having been said you know out in america you've got skunk works and skunk works are building all sorts of things and back in the 1990s the the, the ex-director of skunk works said basically if you can imagine it we're already doing it so mm-hmm. you know back in the 1990s they were really moving forward and pushing technology but less so in the 80s probably not in the 70s you know Mm -hmm. and then you're starting to go back to what i would call post-war so you're looking at things like operation paperclip you know um are we looking at german technology nazi technology that that has had you know 60 70 80 years to develop and and what what we're looking at here is secret technology Mm -hmm. um there is a punchline to that as well and i've said this a few times in different interviews and that is you know, the big buzzword for recent times has been disclosure. Right. Well, if you're going to disclose, why not at least admit to something that is now mm-hmm. already clearly in the public domain? Mm-hmm. We've got the story. We've worked out what this stuff does. We've we actually, we know what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. So why
1: doesn't somebody just come out and say, it's one of ours, mm-hmm. you know? that'd be a, a huge step forward. You know, we, we're not exactly kicking the door of disclosure in, we're just kind of scratching at it or tapping at it, you know, but at least that would be something, you know, where they would come forward and go, well, actually, you know, you've got it anyway. You already know what it is. Yes. It's, you know, it's one of ours, but again, nobody's doing that either.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I agree with you in that, you know, when you look at the history of, of, of our, of, of the aircraft, especially in the United States, Suddenly, there was a big surge, like, 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 like with all these inventions. Yeah. Like the skunk works. Where did they get the knowledge? You know, Suddenly, you know, we didn't have this knowledge. And then all of a sudden, we're building the SR 71. We're building all, all these craft. It well, had to come I've, from somewhere.
1: Well, if that quote from the 1990s is true, does mm-hmm. that mean they've cracked time travel? Mm-hmm. You know, teleportation? are they blasting out to goodness knows where in space and we don't know about it or, you know, can they travel through solid objects? You know, can mm-hmm. they do that? You know, what, what have they got? Because if he's saying anything we can imagine, chances are they've already got it. You know, mm-hmm. there was a hell of a lot of stuff going on in, you know, Star Trek and stuff like that. Yes. A lot of that technology's worked its way through, but a lot of it yes. hasn't, yes. you know, what on earth is going on, you know? Mm-hmm. and. Uh, You're almost at this point now where, you know, we could take a huge leap forward as, you know, the population of planet Earth if they would just tell us what they were up to. We're in the Mm -hmm. 21st century, you know. We're now, we're living the sci-fi of the past, you know. We're Mm -hmm. we're in it now, you Mm -hmm. know. I mean, I can remember when I was a kid at school, you know, in the 60s and 70s, you know, the the idea of living in, you know, 2024 would have been unthinkable. (laughs) You know, you're in Blade, Blade Blade Runner territory there, you know.
0: Well, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh. and then you think about the scientists. You think about the people like Gene Roddenberry, you know, and these guys, these, these guys, these futurists, Ray, Ray 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 Bradbury, even, you know, these guys. And I saw a thing on, on on Discovery Channel one time. I think it was Discovery Channel, where there were thoughts that these that, that these people like Gene Roddenberry and some of these scientists had alien DNA in them, or had some kind yeah. of connection to the aliens because because they were able to dream all this stuff up, and a lot of it became reality.
1: Well, if these extraterrestrials are are working dimensionally, I mean, you you could turn the clock all the way back to the 1800s and look at Mm -hmm. somebody like Tesla. Tesla Mm -hmm. just came out. He he just stepped forward and he just went, you know, I dream all these ideas. I Mm -hmm. do them all in my head and I've already finished them and already tested them before I put them Mm -hmm. down on paper. So Mm -hmm. before he even files a patent, he already knows it works Mm because he's done it all in his head in 3D. Well, that's just incredible. So the question there is... He understood everything in terms of frequencies and wavelength. Mm -hmm. So if the brain is operating in terms of frequencies and wavelength, which it clearly does, Mm -hmm. then where are the ideas coming from? Of course they can come from somewhere else. Because we're just acting like walking receptors you know, which we are in in every way. We're just designed to pick up our environment. Now, I wouldn't like to guess where they're coming from, you know, the interdimensional alien, Martian, whatever, you know, they could be coming from anywhere. Hollow Earth, you you name it, any ancient technology, time travellers, you know. Um, I do speculate a little bit on where I think they come from in uh, in one of the books, I think Crystal Skulls and Human Heads. Uh, I come down on the opinion that these guys are time travellers, but not from the future, because that kind of cocks time up badly. I think they're coming from the past. And it's important that they bring what they knew to us now um, that's where i stand on that one mm-hmm. um, and there's a fair bit of evidence to support that so that i think that might be a, an element of what we're seeing you know if we're at the stage where people like einstein can understand what's going on out there you know and Stephen Hawking got a handle on some of it and that imagine what the guys were like in the distant past you know when there were you know 27 different species of human beings and some of them have got brains three times the size of ours right right, you know um, I mean I always laugh I always say this as a joke you know some guy walks in one day to a room and there's ten of these blokes with these enormous heads with these huge brains all sat around and he walks in and he goes tell you what fellas how do you build a pyramid you know, and like 10 minutes later, you know, these super wet computers between them, they've done it. They've already worked it out. That's how you do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. So even then, in that sense, it doesn't have to be just aliens, you mm-hmm. know. And right. again, what what was going on back then? You know, what kind of intervention did we see way back at the beginning? You know? Um, wow. Hey, we've gone a bit off-piste, but I love it. I know, I know.
0: It boggles the mind. <laughs> that's okay. that's what we're here for, right? That's what we're Good. here for. So they gathered up all all, all the parts of this thing. Where, where are the parts now?
1: You know okay, well, um that's an interesting one because um, i'll I'll give you a couple of examples of what's going on. Uh, we submitted a freedom of information uh, submission quite mm-hmm. a long time ago, and we did it to the local base. And, of course, we got the message back, oh, I'm sorry, lads, we don't know anything about it. No records of this at all. So Philip thought, okay, well, I'm going to have a bash as well. So he chucked a handful of these in at different people, you know, police and air force and you know, anybody you thought that might have any records. And mm-hmm. at the moment, we've, we've got at least one back that we think is, is saying basically, no, we don't have mm-hmm. any records, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a couple outstanding. But it's looking like nobody anywhere is admitting to anything. So that's one point. Uh, another point worthy of note uh, is I did a documentary in 2008 just called Europe's Roswell, that's all it was called, through reality films, and it was released in America, it was leased over here, sold loads of things on DVD, ended up, you know, pay-to-view on Amazon or whatever, but it was almost universally ignored at the time. So you'd think somebody in 2008 going, hey, 25 years ago, you know, we had this UFO crash, the same story. Mm -hmm. You know, at that point in 2008, you'd have thought I'd have been absolutely inundated with requests for interviews. And, you know, we should have been doing everything back then that we're actually doing now. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But nothing. Now, by nothing, I mean literally nothing. No magazines, no radio stations, no interviews. Honestly, the guys that put it out, you know, the guys from reality were just gobsmacked. They'd never had complete radio silence on a subject comparable to that. Now... We sort of put it down to the fact that, well, you know, as long as UFOs are in the same category as ghosts and stuff like that, Loch Ness Monster and what have you, and Yeti, nobody knows what it is, you know, and it's a mystery. Uh, that's how people prefer it to be. So if you turn up with a little green man or, a you know, big saucer or alien technology, people tend to not want the physical reality of that, quite a lot mm-hmm. of people. Now, that's what we put it down to. But, and it's a, it's a huge but, it, is it a cover-up? Is it exactly the same thing? then in 2008 and to some extent it's happening now because obviously freedom of information is a legal requirement and they've not followed through on any of it uh the same thing's happening now it's like oh no sorry we don't know anything nothing happened you know it was it was gas it was a weather balloon you know all the usual nonsense you know all, all silence complete radio silence you know so they're, they're following the same playbook now so you know even when the the big court cases were taking place in the states all about you know oh yeah we're going to finally get disclosure you know they're Mm -hmm. finally going to come up out and tell us everything and then it just went and nothing happened Mm -hmm. at all and i'm starting to think well yeah that's exactly what happened to us in 2008 it's exactly the same thing Mm -hmm. they're just Mm -hmm. not going to tell you (laughs) you know do you think it's because either you know they've been hiding stuff from us or because
0: they're afraid people are going to be too afraid you know if they realize that these aliens have been here all this time
1: um, well, there's a number of dif- different options. I mean, you know, you can go down the X-Files route and you can say, well, they've been, uh-huh. you know, interfered with by aliens, you know, and, uh-huh. and aliens are everything. You know, we're crossbreeds, genetically engineered, you know, they're walking among us. Uh, you know, the whole X-Files thing is is at one extreme, uh-huh. Uh-huh. or you can kind of go through the whole rook of different reasons why... They might want to keep something a secret, you know, military development and all the rest of it to the other extreme where some of this technology might just turn out to be a bit dodgy. If it's coming out of Nazi Germany, you know, for example, people died in order to develop the medical side. So the whole, you know, if these little green men turn out to be, you know, they've been tampering with genetics for the last goodness knows how many years if they're genetically mm-hmm. engineered pilots that just blows the whole of the 20th century out of the water mm-hmm. they've broken every rule in the book you know uh, so they're certainly not going to go hey look what we've done you know they're not going to be all happy and open about that so so there's both ends of the scale you know on mm-hmm. one end of the scale it could be some kind of genuine alien conspiracy but on the other hand it might just be something a bit more mundane and they mm-hmm. don't really want you to know what they've done you know, uh-huh. it could be it could be really simple. And and in, in the course of writing this book and the course of investigating Europe's Roswell as a case, because I'm right. approaching it as, you know, academic archaeologist, I've run across all of those, all of those options. You know, okay. I couldn't tell you which one it is just just from uh, the research I've done. They're all possible. It could could be uh-huh. any one of them.
0: The other thing I find interesting about this the, the Europe's Roswell, too, is that and I realized that, that the fields are huge over there, you know, the, mm. the, that they have their sheep and that they're tending. But you think when this thing went down that there would have been some kind of noise, you know, something that somebody heard.
1: Well, yeah, that's – you're back to Matt Brazzle. you know. He gets right. up and he walks into the desert and goodness only knows what it was that came down, but it was big enough to do a shed load of damage. And the mm-hmm. same thing is true over here. I mean, that's another reason they might not want you to know about it because it was oh. only a you know, less than a mile, mile and a half away from the village. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, fortunately, it came down and hit a load of trees and smashed on a farm. If Mm -hmm. something like that happened in a built-up area, you'd Mm -hmm. be in serious trouble, you know. So that's another reason in this particular case Mm -hmm. that perhaps the RAF wouldn't want you to know You know what they were up to it could just be as well that it's american technology and the brits don't want you know anybody to know that the the americans were doing that over here Uh maybe it's you know a joint a joint thing uh maybe we're just asking the wrong people you know for disclosure but yeah it could have turned into a major disaster um and Irwell didn't hear anything he heard absolutely Uh nothing you know he's a farmer his farms at the bottom of the the field so, really, you know, if something crashed in the field, you'd expect him to hear it because he's not uh-huh. that far away. Uh-huh. So, whatever it was, that's perhaps that's another clue. Whatever it was, when it hit the trees, it did it silently. Uh-huh. So, you it's know, if the, if that's a stealth bomber and it smacks into a forest, you know, in the middle of the night, somebody's going to notice. It doesn't yeah. matter where you are. You know, somebody's going to notice.
0: Well, yeah, um, that's what I was thinking.
1: And nobody did.
0: Yeah. Nobody because, did. Because, I mean... When you talk about you know when we talk about like like the planes of today even the b52s you know when I've been to air shows and they show them in silent mode you don't hear mm. them till after they've dropped the bombs you know that's true you know yeah. what I mean but as far as crashing you're gonna hear something especially if it's going through the trees like that
1: yeah and and we're not sure whether or not the thing actually exploded but the amount right. of debris you know uh-huh. there's there's obviously been an outward you know it's uh-huh. it's kind of push the bits out that's how it appears to us mm-hmm. so again that kind of rules out you know the stealth planes and you know jets and that you know that as a rule the fuselage areas the wings and the ailerons the air a- a- control surfaces none of those are pressurized so it, it doesn't that doesn't sit right with the evidence that we've we've um, we've been looking at And again you'd hear it wouldn't you you know you'd you'd, you'd hear something you'd at least hear the sound of metal hitting the trees you know if it was Mm a a big thing but even that doesn't seem to have happened it's almost like it materialized too low you know it suddenly went came into being and it was sat literally on the tree line and then dropped you know Mm -hmm. that's that's the implication you know Uh, or it came flying in at tremendous speed and couldn't slow down enough before it mm-hmm. hit the tree line mm-hmm. seriously ended up where it shouldn't have been you know that that is quite obvious from what happened um, yeah
0: but that brings <laughs> me to the stuff I've heard you know on other interviews that I've done where these aliens can make their craft look like nut you know either it's not there or they can make them look like our planes. So maybe it's a situation like that too where where it was silent because it was some kind of other dimensional thing you know when it came down.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the the rubber hexagons, which we're assuming is, is the outside
0: mm-hmm.
1: of the entire craft, which mm-hmm. is, that is different from the structure we've seen on our own stealth jets, because some of that hexagon material, on some of them are, is on the inside, not on the outside, but mm-hmm. we think it's on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um That would actually disrupt any attempt to try to see this thing mm-hmm. using conventional means. Um, right. So that is... You know, that is definitely stealth. But this lanthium, lanthanum, that also is a major disruptor. And that's on the outside. So this thing, you know, is is something else. You know, it it can go invisible if it wants mm-hmm. to to most conventional technology. Whether or not it could go invisible to the human eye, that's mm-hmm. you know, that's something else. We can do that now. I mean, you, know, you can see things on the Internet where things suddenly become invisible because they reflect the environment around them. I don't mm-hmm. think that's what we've got here. I think it mm-hmm. just defies conventional um, tracking systems. <coughs> Excuse me. I think that's what it is. So, yeah, um, it, it, it you know, it, it has got a stealth component to it. That's only come out since we started doing the new analysis. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I even mentioned that in the book. There are elements of this that are still very new. I must say that. The book is, um, it's a statement of something which is still ongoing. So it's like, you know, watch this space. If we get any more information, we'll let you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, the information that, that you were able to obtain and look at, I mean, was, was any of that redacted or anything like that that, that that you had to sort through and try to figure out, you know, read between the lines on it?
1: I would be delighted to be able to get hold of something of that nature. Um, what I can tell you is the three analyses that exist, which mm-hmm. is the British Aerospace, UK, Australian, and American, none of that information is redacted. It's all there. Mm -hmm. And certainly, as much as we're able, we've put it in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, When we've then gone to Freedom of Information, it's Mm -hmm. not a case of having nice little pieces of paper with black blocks on it. We're not even at that stage. They won't give us anything. Mm -hmm. They're they're basically saying it didn't happen. You know, it doesn't exist. You know, Um, it'd be nice if they actually came out and went, Hey, do you know what? It was a weather balloon. Because then we'd be like, Yay, something happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then they're not even doing that. They're not admitting that anything happened. So, you know, maybe there was a hint of us, you know, poking the tiger a bit when we called it Roswell. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we're kind of pushing that a bit and go, come on, right. you beggars, come on, come on. Right. Um, I am absolutely, utterly convinced that there is a document that covers this crash.
0: Mm-hmm. And at
1: least at least one possibly more because the police will have recorded it for sure the local RAF base will have recorded it for sure whoever's vehicle it actually was there'll be a crash report for that even uh-huh. if it's not on the local RAF base so that right. could be the Americans or it could just be a national thing you know maybe it uh-huh. came out of a different base uh you know it's it's got to be there somewhere it's got to exist I'd love to get my hands on it, you know, redacted or otherwise, you know, because just getting that document, it would be an admission that it happened. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but they've totally covered this, totally covered it.
0: Do you ever think you're going to get any more information on this or that anything else is going to come out?
1: Well, the short answer is yes, I, I actually do. I do think there's still a lot more to do. Um, we've still got, as I said, we don't know what the paint is. We don't know what the resin substance is. It's not some kind of American glue. It's something else, clearly. You know, uh, we don't know what these rubber hexagons are that are coating it. Uh, you know, we don't know what this strange aluminium hexagon foil stuff is that, that's inside we're assuming is aluminium because mm-hmm. obviously now we're, we're being told it's it's not standard. So that could be anything. All of those things still exist to be tested. So if somebody really wanted to get stuck into this, that that's another set of tests for each mm-hmm. one of those things, you know. Then you've got to start looking, like you say, at what structures already exist. So let's try and find something that's comparable and start doing comparisons, which we have done. We've now gone back to some of these engineers that work on fighter jets. So we're going down that avenue and we're saying to them, have you got anything that's like this? And just like you said, they're coming back with the same thing. Yes, we've got something that's a bit similar, but not the same. You know, Mm -hmm. you've got elements of yours that are not the same. So there's all of that to do. There's still two freedom of information access um, requests out there. Mm -hmm. And And then if we were really determined, we can always go back and do a complete survey using modern technology of the actual crash site. Because the detectors and, you know, the geophysics and all the stuff we've got now... Uh, Even LIDAR, you know, I've not even seen the site on LIDAR, so it it might have left traces in the ground that we can see. So Uh there's a whole technological toolkit, if you like, that could be applied. Uh, The only thing that's stopping us really is two things. One is obviously the cost. um, Uh And second, whether or not we find it necessary to go down that route. Uh Um, Because, again, it's a lot of work. So who knows? You know, who knows what's going to pop out? in 2024 because because there's there's more to do you know we are doing more
0: well there's a lot of stories like that where there's been like for like the the, the flight 401 that went down in, in, in the florida everglades where even now all these years later because that happened in the 70s once every once in a mm. while because the way the water flows in the water flows out they're still finding debris
1: yes absolutely uh, i mean i'm i'm inclined to think that you know Jammed into rock crevices or possibly Mm -hmm. in the peat where this forest stood, or you know, and knowing how weathering works, and you know, sheep are particularly destructive on a ground level. I'm Mm -hmm. sure if we really, really got stuck in, we'd probably get a couple of more fragments. Whether Mm -hmm. or not those fragments are any different from what we've already got, though, that would be a you know, a different matter. It'd be very nice if somebody like you know, Prometheus, who does ancient aliens or whatever, came along and said, We want to do a documentary on this and we're going to throw some research sources at it you know i i think that would be nice Irwell, the farmer i mean he's, he's getting old now so mm-hmm. if anybody wants to do it they'll have to do it sooner rather than later um and he's a bit touchy about appearing on camera and having his property declared you know um, as to where it is so he's kind of he he wants to stay low-key but one bit of Wales looks pretty much like the next so you know there wouldn't Mm -hmm. be a problem to anybody making a program it's Mm -hmm. funny actually because when we did the documentary everyone was saying well why didn't you show us the crash site i think it's either the second or third shot there's a panning shot and it's like white sheep on snow-covered fields with a white sky you know it doesn't make good Footage at all, and you pan across. That's it. That's the crash site. And there, literally, there was literally nothing to see. Uh You know, just just a big open space. You know, once you've seen like you know one bit of Roswell Desert, you know, you've seen it all. You know, the the desert around Corona all looks the same. It's exactly like that in Wales. Once you've seen one field full of sheep, you've pretty much seen them all. You know.
0: Uh
1: But it'd be nice. it be nice to to. I see it as an ongoing investigation. I mean, obviously, right. obviously I've, I've been on this now for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. uh, 20, 20 plus years um gary's getting older as well so it'd be nice to do another interview with gary you know about it and get some more information before before we all disappear um you know now's the chance now's the time i guess that's what i'm saying so anybody listening you know please please uh message me send friend me on facebook and send me something on messenger and say you know uh, we'd like to do something with this it it would be Mm -hmm. nice um and then who knows you know it's it's. All, I feel like there's. You know, we've we've kind of we've gone as far as we can go with the foundations of it. Right. Right. We've still got what we still got plus a little bit extra, but mm-hmm. there seems to be a bit of headway. You know, there's some headroom. There's some room for more, more forward progress. I think on this, um, who knows? And then we might get disclosure. You know, mm-hmm. we might do. And like mm. you say,
0: the technology to look for this stuff. Has certainly improved. I mean, look, look at those giant metal detector things they use. You know, yeah,
1: yeah. Certainly, as an archaeologist, that kind of thing. You know, uh, because the lanthanum as well gives off a kind of a signal. It pushes mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. So, if there's any of that left knocking around, you'd, you'd perhaps expect that to set off some of the modern um, mm-hmm. technology. You know, better than it would say, a, you know, one of the early series metal detectors. Right. You know the, You know, there's the, the so much scope. So so much scope um yeah we could even do a better reconstruction you know we we reconstructed it for the 2008 documentary and just this amorphous flying saucer shape you know flying mm-hmm. down and smacking into the into the trees and uh mm-hmm. it'd, be, it'd be nice now to actually you know do that again using modern technology and perhaps do a better job
0: mm-hmm. so what's next for you <laughs>
1: Wow, there's been a few interviews who asked me that. Uh, well, I'm very eclectic, and uh, you know, I kind of bounce around a lot. Uh, two things really. I'm, I'm. It takes me a while to write a book. You know, the fact the fact that I had lockdown meant I could get three books out in eighteen months, which is unheard of. Usually, I do one book every three years, but I've got one book which has the working title "The Keys to the Temple." Um, And that's looking at Knights Templar, it's looking at biblical mysteries, uh, it's looking at Gnostics, you know, it's looking at the rise of early Christianity in the first couple of centuries, you know, uh, real, proper, deep, hardcore stuff, but written in a, you know, the same way as the Arthur book, really, written in a way that's accessible to the general public. Um, And then somebody else recently suggested, why don't I, you know, do a book on, on magic, but not the kind of, you know... Get dressed up in loads of robes and stand there with loads of colored things in a big circle, you know. Ch- none of that kind of nonsense. <laughs> the kind of, you know, you open your eyes first thing in the morning. How do you live magically that day? You know, how do you get through the day? How do you survive the 21st century, you know, using old magical techniques and old, you know, uh-huh. beliefs and what have you? How can you do that? So I thought, well, that could be a cheap and cheerful quick book I can rattle off, you know, about the about the same size of some of the normal books because the Templar one's going to be massive that's going to end up the size of the King Arthur book I can see that coming um, mm-hmm. because I've been tink- I've been tinkering with that since 1978 so that's kind of where I'm going with that I'm also at a UFO conference over here in the UK I'm doing awakening at, at Bolton uh, on the 17th of February um, in which I can dive a bit deeper again mm-hmm. into this material because I'll have a PowerPoint I'll have all the color photographs there and all the information and the data there um, and we can speculate a bit more towards the end the sub thing on that is the darker side of ufology right. um and it's 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 cutting edge stuff so dash out there and buy your tickets if, if you there can you if you happen to be uh uk based or you want to fly over i think there's a couple of american people on the uh, speaker list so you know yeah busy go. busy in the next few weeks in the next few months <laughs> and where can people find you um go on I'll do the advert then I'll, I'll kind of summarize if you want the books they're all on Amazon and like mm-hmm. I say there's nine of them there's loads of them just type my name in they're all on there by um, clicking you know click on put the money in and pff, comes flying through your door a few days later hopefully uh, that's your Amazon so yeah anybody wants to see what I've done in the past in terms of production and that includes the Europe's Roswell documentary the original one get onto YouTube and there's a company called Drake Michigan that has put them all up. So I've got everything now, all the TV back catalog of stuff are done, the ITV series, the documentaries for Sky, every, it's all on YouTube. You can, you can get it all now. Uh, it took about 18 years to eventually get around to getting it all on there. So it's well worth a watch. And the third thing is if you want to contact me, Facebook, as long as your name's not Fifi Trixabel with a picture of a fairy, you know, and you don't really <laughs> exist. As long as you really exist, you know, I'll uh, I'll friend you. And then you can send me things on Messenger um, and communicate that way. Um, And then if you want to go further, I'll, you know, I I do give out the email address occasionally and we can communicate in more detail. So really that's Amazon, YouTube, Facebook, and it's all done with, hang on, let's get this right. Yeah. My name. (laughs) There you are. That's the key to it. Mark Ollie. Mark Olly. Come, come find me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. It is always so fun to have you on and talk with you.
1: I'm glad we got here in the end, you know. Despite the gremlins in the yes. in the system, yeah. uh, we've done it. You we never know; it. it might might have been the military trying to cover it up again. Who knows? Yeah, you
0: never know. You never know. You never know. <laughs> well, let's get you back on if that's okay to talk about King Arthur next time. We'll get you done absolutely we'll on the line to get you back on. All right, Mark. Thank you so much, and thank you for being so patient today.
1: No worries. See you again.
0: All right. See. See you later. All right, guys, it's always fun to have him on. Look at that, I sank down. What is this? I get so short sometimes. It's always fun to have him on the show. He's he's a terrific guest. Tomorrow I'll be live. Tomorrow, uh, yeah, I'm fine. Tomorrow I will not be live. It is a pre-recorded show that I pre-recorded this morning, which is the one that had all the issues. But tomorrow we're going to be talking about Bigfoot terrors, and my guest is going to be the, the... William Sheehan, because i haven't having trouble talking to any you. William Sheehan is is on board to talk about uh, some scary Bigfoot stories. He's done a lot of research in this, and he has a podcast that he produces to talk about this kind of thing because you don't hear it all the time. You know, the, a lot of the Bigfoot stories you hear are, okay, I, I saw him peacefully in the woods. You know, this is going on. He walked in front of my car. You don't hear about this other side of Bigfoot. So I had a nice conversation with him about that. So that will be tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. I will be in the chat room. I will not be live on that one, but I but I will be with you guys. I promise. Okay. That being said, um, I'm going to take off now. And if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are... We are, <laughs> we are equal opportunity here. I'm tired. We're equal opportunity here on California Haunts Radio. We're just trying to get the word out about our little old show. And you guys have done a great job doing that. And I'm really excited about the future. And uh, just uh, one more thing to remember is that Valentine's Day coming up, Nancy Mats is going to be doing readings for people. Uh, you, know, you can talk about your relationships and all that good stuff. And uh, she will answer your questions as best she can. And that will be February 4th at 4 p.m. Pacific over at the meetup. And the links to the meetup are down below. Oh, no, not on this one. Huh? I'll be I'll, I'll be reposting those on here once once I get off here. So you'll have all, all of Mark's inf- information and all the information about the, the, the events that we have on meetup. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and redo that. Check that out over at, uh, at our YouTube site. Okay. All right. In the meantime, before something else goes wrong, I'm going to sign off. Have a great rest of your day, guys.